And I'll never forget this. My high school coach walks in and he walks right to me. You know, he doesn't go back to the team. He just goes straight to me and he sits down, puts his arm around me and he says, Matt, you know, it's going to be okay. I, I promise I'm going to love you regardless. Don't worry about any of this. Everything's fine. It, it was at that point, you know, where I, I had kind of thought, hey, down the road I'm going to be a coach, but it, it's right there where I knew what kind of coach I was going to be. Um, then I tell my kids every year, and I think this is something that's important for them to hear, if they can do it, if they can play football, if they can you know, start and then finish, they're rare. They're, they are not normal. You know, we all want our kids to like us. We, we want our kids to, you know, to think we're doing a great job. And uh, sometimes you got to take a deep breath and, you know, swallow your pride and say, hey, what can I do better for you? Hey, everybody. Welcome back to the High School Coaches Club. I'm your host, Max Price. Before we dive into episode number 17 with Matt Perkins today, take a moment, head down to the show notes, join the club. It takes about 90 seconds. Big thanks to all those who have already done so. Those people are part of a national network of high school coaches, uh, trainers, administrators, athletic directors, whatever else, uh, all sorts of people involved in high school sports, making great experiences for high school student athletes. That's what we're all about here at the club. So click the link, join the club, takes about 90 seconds, and by doing so, you'll get the weekly newsletter and become a member of that national network. All right. Let's jump in. Episode 17, Matt Perkins. He's the head football coach of the Zizzers of West Plain High School in Missouri. He'll tell us what the Zizzers are, and he'll also reference a guy named Steve Airy quite a bit. And if you don't recognize the name Steve Airy, it means you have not yet listened to episode number 15. So pause, go back, hear episode 15, learn about Steve Airy. He's amazing. He actually hired Matt Perkins as an assistant coach at West Plains High School many years ago and told him, hey, someday you're going to take this program over. Sure enough, Perkins is the head football coach there. Uh, He's going to go into uh, all sorts of good things for us. How to leverage social media, not only for your own growth as a coach, but then also to kind of help your players get recruited. And it's kind of a changing landscape in the recruiting game. And Twitter specifically is a huge way to get your athletes recruited. He'll also give us uh, some deep insights into why he believes so deeply in giving second chances to high school kids. It's a conversation you definitely want to hear. And then finally, he's going to give us his why. And by hearing his why, hopefully it gives you a chance to kind of stop, pause, and think about your why. You know, why are you involved in high school athletics? Matt has such a succinct answer to that question, and it's something that's going to probably help you as you kind of reflect on that as well. Kind of gives him his purpose. So, let's welcome in the head football coach of the West Plains High School Zizzers, Matt Perkins. Hey, thanks for having me. Glad you're on. I, you know, we did, we just talked off air. We had Steve Airy on on episode 15 and he was at West Plains and uh you you worked with him and then obviously when he stepped away, you took over. So, kind of a cool deal to have you come on and give us the rest of the West Plains story. Yeah, absolutely. You know, there's uh there's nobody better than Steve and I'm super fortunate I had a chance to work with him and learn from him and uh, really enjoyed that podcast with you guys. Yeah, I enjoyed it too. It was, it was really cool to hear him and all the journeys he's been through and building programs and stuff like that. Before we get too far, I want to start with this. Um, I saw a tweet that you put out a while back. Um, I'm in two fantasy football leagues and I found that I can really only I can really only maintain focus on one. I actually I won the league that I care about this year and my other league I probably forgot to set the lineup and uh, <laughs> probably multiple times. You won 
the league championship in both of your leagues. So <laughs> how'd you do it? Well, you know, it's interesting. So I've, I've been a part of one since about 2003. It's it's the one, you know, I would say I care about as well. Um, and then I uh, got asked by a buddy, former player of mine, um, to join his league. And so I joined it. And this was the uh, the first season I was a part of that league and, and got the win. You know, the secret to it was having Tom Brady in week 16. That was, <laughs> that was the secret. I had him as my quarterback in both, both leagues. And Tom went off. So I'm a big Brady fan. And I always try to snatch him up early if I can. Well, that's what it comes down to. I've realized if you ever get to the championship game, it becomes it's a lot of luck. You've just got to hope that that you've got guys who still care on teams that are still kind of competing and trying to win. Otherwise, you get like a running back who maybe will get, you know, seven or eight touches and then he's going to get shut down. Yeah, yeah, it's a it's a crapshoot. They're late. Um, but uh, yeah, Tom came through for me and uh, man, uh, it, it was fun. I, uh, I don't know if I'll be asked to be back in that league again, but uh, <laughs> it was a good time. It's a one-year run. That's pretty good. Yeah. Uh, let's uh, let's do this. Let's dive in. Um, you had a very different um, youth sports. I guess I should say high school sports experience. So let's kind of start there. Can you take me through and let our listeners kind of learn about what high school sports was like for you? Yeah. So I, I've uh, I guess taken an untraditional, non-traditional you know track to be a high school football coach. Um, I've never played high school football and. Uh, it's probably the number one thing I think that uh, I regret about my time in high school. And so I guess I've got that, uh, you know, that angle of approach to trying to recruit kids where, you know, I, I literally was a guy that, that didn't play. And I can look back and say, man, you know, I know you're going to miss this and I know you're going to wish you did. Um, but my, my journey was different. I, I, I've never lost a game as a, as a football player, third grade, fourth grade, fifth grade, sixth grade, seventh grade, eighth grade. I was a starting quarterback in uh you know, we had a lot of really good dudes around us. And um, anyway, I never lost a game, but I broke my vertebrae. I broke my L4, L5 and L5, S1 uh, vertebrae in eighth grade and um, and got scared. You know, I, I don't know that I really would have been released to play anyway um, in, you know, in the future, but uh, it's something that I always wanted to do and I never could quite pull the trigger and, 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 and do it because of fear. And so I, that's one of the angles I take with talking to kids that are that are thinking about not playing about the fear side of it. And, and you know, I get it because I was there. Um, you know, I got kids that always say, hey, you know, I'm, I'm going to focus on baseball. Well, I'm the all time leading home run hitter at my high school. Um, so, I, you know, I can talk about that with you. Um, I went on to play college basketball. I can talk about basketball with you. You know, um, all those things kind of kind of factor in. But, uh, yeah, my biggest regret was not playing high school football. I try not to tell people that because I get a lot of weird looks. Like you're a high school football coach, you didn't play high school football, <laughs> and uh, it's kind of it's kind of funny to me because you know your your doctor working on you wasn't a doctor in high school, and your barber wasn't even a barber in high school. But yeah, I didn't play high school football, so um, you know a little bit of a touchy subject for me, but uh, definitely something that's motivated me for sure. Um, something I, I've I've had to I guess push past myself and 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 get past and. Um, but yeah, yeah, I didn't play high school football and here I am coaching high school, high school football. Well, you bring up a good point. The, the idea of recruiting kids, I know for, you know, I coach baseball, so it's a little bit different trying to recruit kids to, to play baseball who may have never played before is, is something that really different to do. It's hard to find a spot for a kid who's never played before at, at, at baseball, but in football, there's, you know, if you get an athlete there, so you can find ways and places to put them. And so I've noticed, you know, with our own football team here at, at my high school, there's obviously a lot of recruiting going on in terms of trying to get kids out to play football. 
who maybe aren't coming out yet to play football. And you talk about the fear and I know there's, there's a lot of fear around concussions and there's a lot of fear around kind of like you mentioned, just maybe you get hurt and uh, miss part of another season. And you're kind of scared of that because maybe you're focused on basketball or something like that. And that, that part of recruiting kids, I think is really important in high school sports beyond, beyond pulling on your own kind of history to kind of do that. What other ways have you found to be successful trying to get kids to come out for football? Well, uh, number one, you got to build relationships with them, and they've got to be able to trust you. And I think, you know, I've got a lot to learn as a coach and and a lot to, you know, grow with and and X and O's I've got to get better at. Um, One thing I think I'm really good at is is building relationships with my players. And, um, you know, that, that just comes from being genuine and caring about kids. And I'll, I'll probably end up talking to you about uh, about my dad and about a relationship with, with my former high school coach and um, kind of the why I do what I do. But, uh, you know, for me, it's just making those connections, taking the time to listen and, uh, you know, making sure that you follow up whenever you've got a kid that's hurting and, and uh, just being there for, for those guys. Everybody's got a different story. Everybody's going through something different. And uh, my, my number one mission is to make sure that I'm there for my kids. I love it. Being there for kids is so important and building relationships, especially with high school athletes, I think is, is huge. The, like you said, there's so many different things that are going on in kids' lives. Um, so we didn't play high school football, but here you are coaching high school football and not just coaching it, uh, you know, no offense to other schools, but not coaching at a school that's struggling. I think that you're coaching at a school that's very, very, very successful. So can you kind of take me through, how did you get from not playing high school football and now here we are coaching at West Plains? Yeah, um, had a had a really good uh, mentor, you know, as, as a coach growing up. And um, I guess I probably need to start with what I did do in high school. Would that be good, Max? Let's do it. Absolutely. Okay, so, um, you know, I get done with, with uh, junior high sports. And, of course, I broke my vertebrae in, in football. Well, basketball rolls around, and I, I'm, a, I'm a good basketball player, and I, I kind of have, you know, thoughts maybe I'm going to go on and play basketball at the next level. Um, if not, maybe I'm going to go on and play baseball at the next level. And um, so I kind of think, you know, like a lot of kids these days, hey, I'm going to focus on this. Um, but uh, I hurt my vertebrae again playing basketball as a freshman and had to miss some time. And um, anyway, all, all of that uh, all of that stuff kind of went on through my high school career where I, I, I was – constantly just kind of dinged up with my back and um, it, it was a bit of a struggle but um, I had a really good high school career like I like I mentioned before I, I was a really good baseball player I you know played pitcher played outfield um, all-time leading home run hitter I struck out 17 kids in a game once I was a, I was a decent high school athlete um, my junior year my parents have been divorced for a while and I'm gonna tell the story about my dad uh, kind of the why I coach and why I do what I do. Um, and I, I want to say all this before I love my dad and I have a great relationship with him now. We, we talk all the time. Um, basically every day I call him and, and he's my number one fan. And, and really he was a guy that, you know, he made sure he got me to all my practices. He made sure that I was able to go to everything as a, as a kid growing up. So um, take all, all of this with a grain of salt, but the guy had hit, he had hit some hard times in my junior year. I'm, I'm starting as a point guard for our basketball team and we're playing a championship game at, uh, at the Mountain View Tournament just up the road. And, uh, you know, championship game, I'm not playing well. I think I've got four or five turnovers, fourth quarter rolls around, and I, I'm sitting the bench, and I see my dad across the way. And I, I've not lived with him now for about a year and a half. He and my mom were divorced. And um, I see him get up and come and sit behind the, the bench 
uh, where, you know, where I'm sitting. And I, I don't really think much of it. I think, hey, you know, he's just showing support for me or whatever. Well, we win the game. I don't I don't play hardly at all the fourth quarter. We win the game. And, you know, after a, a you know, championship game, you're celebrating with your teammates. We're on the on the court, I think, getting ready to take pictures. And there's a commotion all of a sudden in the crowd. And I look over, and sure enough, it's it's my dad in, in a fist fight with my high school basketball coach. And, uh, you know, the crowd's pulling those guys off of each other. And, I mean, I don't know if you can put yourself in that, that position as a 16-year-old, but I'm devastated. And I don't even remember if we took a, a team picture with the trophy or not. I, I remember going to the locker room, and the locker room had two parts to it. It had, a like, a changing area, and then it had a seating area with a whiteboard, you know, so you can, um, you know, talk and all that kind of stuff. Well, all of the players on the team, all of my buddies – they all went back to the back area and it's quiet in the locker room. We just win the championship game. It's quiet. And I, I'm sitting by myself, you know, literally nobody there. And I'm, I'm crying, just devastated. And I'll never forget this. My high school coach walks in and he walks right to me. You know, he doesn't go back to the team. He just goes straight to me and he sits down, puts his arm around me. And he says, Matt, you know, it's going to be okay. I, I promise I'm going to love you regardless. Don't worry about any of this. Everything's fine. And it, it was at that point, you know, where I, I had kind of thought, hey, down the road I'm going to be a coach, but it, it's right there where I knew what kind of coach I was going to be and what kind of an advocate I was going to be for my players. And um, I try to live by that every day. Um, and so I'm, I'm forever grateful. And that was Brent Colley. He's a Hall of Fame basketball coach in Missouri. And actually, he's the guy that hired me. He, uh, he gave me my first job. So, um, you know, life's, life's a circle like that. But uh, learned a lot from that guy and, and – uh, I get done, you know, playing high school ball. My dad has to miss my entire junior year of baseball, doesn't get to come watch any of my games, all that kind of stuff. I go on to play college basketball, graduate, um, get married, and uh, my high school coach calls me while I'm I'm on uh, my one-year anniversary trip in Florida, and he offers me a job on the phone. And the same guy that, that came and told me, you know, not to worry about anything, offered me a job. And so – I get a job coaching junior high boys football and assisting with basketball and assisting with baseball and um, kind of where it took off. Spent a few years as a junior high coach and then a few years as a, a JV freshman coach for, for my alma mater, Willow Springs. And uh, a few years later, our, uh, our head coach retired or moved on and I applied for the job and I got it. And, uh, you know, had my, you know, varied success, I guess. I think my winning percentage there is 48%. Um, and it's funny because Steve Airy, you know, the guy you just had in a podcast, had been there several years before and had had a ton of success. And, um, you know, there were two coaches between him and me before I got the job. But, uh, you know, always having to chase the ghost of Steve Airy around in Willow Springs. He is uh, – He's revered there, and for good reason. Um, you know, their expectations are high for that program. And uh, anyway, I, I'm sitting there at a clinic, I think, in Kansas City, and I see Steve, and, you know, he's at, at West Plains at the time, and I go to him and say, hey, if you ever have a job open, um, you know, I'd be I'd be interested. Well, he, he didn't say anything to me at the time, and to be honest with you, I kind of forgot about it. A year later, he calls me up and says, hey, Matt, I got, a, I got an opening. Would you be interested in coming down for an interview? And, you know, I'm the head coach at my alma mater, and uh, I'm kind of thinking, ah, probably not, but it's Steve, so I'm going to go set in and, and do an interview with him. And, you know, if nothing else, it's just a good chance to get better interviewing. And yeah. 
I go set in and you, you just don't tell Steve Airy no. I mean, he's, he's that guy. And he, you know, he kind of tells me, he's like, Matt, you, you're going to, you're going to come down here and you're going to end up taking this job from me whenever I leave. And I thought, man, I, I can go down there and learn from Steve or I can stay here and, and, you know, be a 500 coach the rest of my days. And, um, I chose to leave my hometown and pack up and, and go 30 miles down the road and be an assistant coach for Steve Airy. And I did that for, I guess for four years. And then he took off and left and what do you know, he was a prophet and I got the head job here and, uh, man, he left me with, with a really good, a really good program and, uh, went, uh, nine and two my first year and then went 10 and two this year and won the conference and won the district. And, um, we got really good kids and we got a, we got a bunch of good facilities here with, uh, with, you know, administrators that care about us and, um, just a good place to be. It's like, I'm, I'm listening to you talk, Matt. It's like, Oh my gosh, it's like two words are kind of mine, like purpose and destiny, your path to where you are now, just going back to what happened in high school and, and what could have been a really tragic event, right. For not only your relationship with your dad, which as you talked about is, is great now. And, and for your, you know, obviously your place in the, in a basketball program and in high school and what could have been something really tragic turns out to help give you like this really defined purpose. And then the, the destiny part, it's just like, you're just like, that leads you into then coaching for that same coach who put his arm around you and helped kind of give you this purpose. And then, you know, along comes Steve Airy. You you were at Willow Springs, not even connected to him really by that point, right? And then you mention a thing to him, and then you'd forget about it. And then it's like, okay, I'll go in and talk to him. And then, no, you're going to come in here and and eventually become the head coach. And now here you are. It's just like, it's such a cool story of purpose and destiny to me. You know, it's one of those things where I think think God had a hand in it all. Um, You know, I... I was struggling. I'll be honest with you. I was struggling through high school with uh, with my parents separating. I, I had never seen uh, my dad drink, smoke. You know, he was a deacon in our church. His dad died whenever I was a freshman, actually at one of my baseball games, kind of a wild story. I'm out in the outfield and I look over and I see an ambulance and I'm trying to figure it out. And I remember looking to our center fielder. I was playing left field at the time. I said, man, I think that's my grandpa that they're working on. Um, anyway, come to find out my grandpa had a stroke in the, in the parking lot and that was my dad's dad and it changed him. I mean, it just wrecked him. And so I went from, you know, this hero of mine growing up, uh, you know, hard worker guy that did everything for me to, um, we had some hard times there and, and it kind of all came to a head with the, the fighting of my coach. And, um, then my coach ended up offering me a job down the road and kind of like you said, just a, a thing of destiny and then getting to work with Steve, um, you know, for a year at Willow, he was, a he was the head coach at Willow when I got my first junior high taste of it there. Um, and then coming back here and working with him here, just kind of all unfolded. Um, really well for me. Um, but yeah, I, it's one of those things you just, you, you take it in stride and you just try to keep getting better. Well, I think it's probably like served you uh, the experiences you had in high school as rough as they were, uh, you know, grandparent passing away (laughs) while you're in the middle of playing. That's almost unbelievable, right? You've got the the story of your injuries preventing you or, or kind of make it maybe a mental block of you not wanting to play football. Then you've got, you know, your dad and, and mom getting divorced. Uh, then you have, you know, what happened with your dad. It's just like a wealth of experiences that the way I'm listening to it right now, I'm like, well, to me, it's like, what, a, what a valuable group of experiences, even though I'm sure going through them was awful. The, the group of experiences you have to now carry with you, like as a coach to 
to give you the credit or the credibility, but even more so just the background to be able to then use what you've gone through to then impact kids and their families and what they go through. Like what it just seems it's like a really powerful thing that you have in your pocket to carry around forever. It's definitely something that I, I'm, you know, I constantly catch myself when I'm dealing with a kid that's struggling, when I've got a kid that, that maybe quits me, um, you know, maybe, maybe they, uh, you know, burn a bridge with me or whatever. I'm constantly reminded to, to be you know, gracious to those guys and, and to give them a second chance. You know, coach Saban's got uh got a great soundbite out there about second chances and what yeah. do you want the kid to be? I mean, it's an awesome soundbite. It is. It's um, really awesome. Yes. That, that, that's, that's literally how I feel about kids. Um, you know, I, I want, I've got a kid right now. He quit us week, week four this year um, as a junior, he was a starter, quit us. Um, and I told him at the time, Hey, you know, I, I don't want you to do this. Um, but you come back in December, if you, if you've changed your mind, you know, we'll start fresh. And he showed up in December and told me he was sorry, made a mistake. And, and, uh, here we are, uh, my, my starting quarterback quit us as a sophomore, my first year as the head coach here at West Plains, two years ago, when he's a sophomore, he quit us in July, he was going to be a starter at safety for us. He quit us. He came to me about week four, week three, and, uh, said, man, I've made a huge mistake and I'd like to come back. And, Man, I, I'm here for that. I want to. I want to be here for you. Give you a second chance. And he didn't miss a day in the summer for us this year as a junior. Um, he didn't miss a day in practice during the season. He he, uh, you know, he took that second chance and ran with it. And he was an all-state player for us. Literally, he was a first-team all-stater. Um, and uh, you know, I I just think we've got to be in the business as coaches of, of you know block out the noise from their parents. Parents are idiots. I've got. You know, just like everybody else, I've got idiot parents. My dad, my dad was an idiot parent that fought my coach. <laughs> um, we've got to block all those things out, and uh, you know, do what's best for kids. And that, that's that's my number one focus. And that's something I I talk to my other coaches about here. You know, hey, yeah, that kid that kid screwed up. Um, you know, you don't have to trust him. And I tell those guys when they come back, you know, hey, look, it's going to take a while to earn some trust. Maybe I maybe I give them an ultimatum. I gave one of them an ultimatum this year. Hey, you're going to come back. I need to see you run track and I need to see you finish track before I'm going to really believe that, uh, that you're going to step back into my program and, and give it everything. But, uh, but I want, I want to give those guys a second chance and I plead with our coaches to do the same thing. We've got great coaches here that love kids. Yeah. Maybe I'll, I'll link that, uh, Nick Saban clip because, um, I, I remember that and I remember the impact it had just on me hearing that of like, even more so with high school kids, right? Because high school kids, they can do some dumb things. We were all high school kids. And then they also go through some things that we we may not even realize that they're going through. And to give them second chances is so important. And like you said, there can be strings attached to it. You can you can make sure that it's it, it comes with ultimatums or with, you know, warnings or with just, you know, other information. But gosh, yeah, giving kids second chances is so important. And one of the things that you mentioned there too is the the, the parent side of it. And I think as high school coaches, we can all relate to uh, having an experience with a kid's parent and then kind of the mental, I don't want to say mental block, but like there's this feeling after that of like, I got to make sure that I don't let this affect my relationship with that kid because the kid is not his parent. Absolutely. Um, you know, it, it'd probably be a neat show just to go through all the, the wild things that uh, coaches experience with parents and um at the end of the day, you know, I, I've, I have a parent right now that's, uh, you know, not happy with playing time. At the end of the day, I, I want that kid to be successful, and I've got to, I've got to find a way to make that happen. And, um, 
I think that's that's what we do as coaches. We sit down and we we you know we scheme up ways to make our program successful, make our team successful, and, and to put kids in the best position to have success. And um, you know that's that's my mindset on everything I do with our program is you know where where can I play this kid? You know what can I do to to get him on the field more? And and uh, you know I want I want my players to be happy. I want them to I think whenever they're happy, they're going to want to be there more. They're going to they're going to play harder for you. Um, and it's a challenge at times because I, I, I've got, you know, we've got 90-something kids in the program. We're going to play about 30, you know, on a Friday night. And there's probably probably 20 that are, you know, similar. And so you, it's a fine line to walk, um, getting everybody and, and trying to trying to keep them happy. But um, anyway, that's, that's a focus of mine. I want my players to be happy, and I want them to, to be loved and feel heard. Give me the rundown on West Plains. When I had Steve on, we, we kind of – talk a little bit about West Plains but we didn't get deep into it because I wanted him to have a chance to kind of focus on his current his current home and and mountain home Um, so can you for listeners who have no concept of where West Plains is of what the community is all about of what the high school's like can you just give us kind of a snapshot of West Plains High School in Missouri what's it all about absolutely so this this town um, you know it's about 12,000, 14,000, somewhere in there. Um, the high school's got about 1,200 kids in it. I think it's slightly south of that, 1,170 or something. But uh, um, it's an interesting dynamic. You know, the community support is amazing. And, and Steve, Steve's probably a huge reason why that that is the way it is. But, um, you know, basketball support's amazing. Uh, football, baseball, all of it. I mean, they, they love their sports here in West Plains. It's located in southern Missouri. I mean, we you know, we're considered part of the Ozarks. Um, you know, it's a mountainous, uh, you know, hilly region. There, there are creeks and rivers everywhere you turn. Um, but our, I guess the, the setup is kind of unique here at West Plains. We have a bunch of rural schools that are not a part of our, our high school, um, that, you know, feed into our school and they're, they're literally not linked with us. They can send their kids to, um, down the road to about five other schools, um, that are all within the same, same area here. So there's, there's some, uh, I guess, some lobbying to get as many kids from those schools as possible. About half of our population at the high school comes from those rural schools. Um, so that's, that's you know, it's kind of a challenge. You, you see about half of your kids, and then when their high school shows up, you get, a, you know, the other half of them. Um, and they, those schools don't offer football. So um, it's kind of a, a tough dynamic trying to get them involved in, in certain things and um, just recently, we've started a co-op where they can play junior high football with us. Um, and so that program's, you know, we're trying to keep that thing alive and and uh, get as many of those rural kids as, as possible to show up here. Um, but, uh, yeah, great community support here uh, at the school. And, uh, you know, the, probably the biggest negative with with being where we're at is there's not a lot of, a lot of schools our size anywhere nearby. So most of our trips are two hours um, in fact, I don't think we have a trip that's not, you know, not a two hour trip. And then we take some three hour trips just to play our conference schedule, just to play our normal schedule. I, I think so for us, not to, not to, this is not a bragging thing or anything like that, but we have six high schools in our, in our city. And so our, our pretty much all of our league games are within, uh, I don't know, 12 minute drive. And then this, a couple years ago, we are, the Oregon kind of was changing, classifications and moving teams around and so we ended up with two teams that are uh, uh no i guess it's three teams that are, are two hours away 
And there was such a hubbub here uh, from the community, uh, people really upset that their kids were going to have to go on two hour bus rides, probably three or four times a season. And I just listening to it, my wife comes from a school that sounds kind of similar to yours in the sense that, uh, you know, every every team you're playing is two plus hours away. And I just I just having her in my family was really good for me because it made me kind of realize, like, dude, we've had it so good for so long. And to have to go on two two hour bus rides for every single game is such a huge like that's it, a big amount of time. That's tough to get kids uh focused in it's just a different deal than you add academics into it and miss class and uh just it's made me really appreciate the fact that for six or five of our games every 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 year we're playing teams that are you know 10 minutes 12 minutes away so we we kind of look at it at it a little bit like it's an advantage for us um you know most of the schools we play are in that same situation that you're talking about where they're you know they're inner city schools they're playing 15 minute drives away well they have a, you know, maybe three trips a year where they have to go two plus hours or three hours. And that's when they come see us. Um, you know, whereas we're doing that every single time. Well, we're used to that road trip. You know, our kids are used to getting on the bus and, and going two hours. Cause that's literally, if we're going to do a road game, it's going to be a two hour trip. Um, you know, they're, they're not used to that. And so, uh, we, we just, we kind of, smile and say, Hey, it's all right. We're going to, we're going to step off the bus. We're going to be ready to go. We're used to this by now. And, um, you know, I think, I think some other teams struggle coming all the way down to West Plains, having a three hour trip and, um, they're not used to that. No kidding. Speaking of West Plains, you're the zizzers. What in the world is a zizzer? (laughs) Man. Um, there's a couple different things with that. I think initially it kind of started with the, the like motion a lightning bolt makes, Okay, uh, but uh, they've done something kind of a little bit cheesy with it now, where it's uh, a zizzer is is somebody that um, excels in everything that they do. Um, so it, it went from being the the movement a lightning bolt makes to something about being excellent in all that we do. Uh, you know, and I think our kids are excellent in what they do. Uh, we got great kids here, and and uh, you know they they take pride in being the only mascot in the nation um, with the zizzers. I was going to say, you guys could probably win if they ever do some like national contests or something like that for unique mascots, unique team names. I think Zizzer's got to be pretty, pretty high up on the list. Absolutely. Problem is, it's it's hard to uh, come up with like a, you know, an actual mascot running around at the stadium with with a Zizzer. I mean, what do you do there? Just put a giant Z on something? <laughs> no kidding. Uh, yeah, there's a downside too, too, I suppose. Uh, let's see. So you took over, let's see. So, uh, West Plains high school, you were, uh, an assistant coach for Steve for what, three, four years, four years under him here at West Plains. And then, uh, you know, technically my very first year, 17 years ago, I was an assistant under him as a junior high coach while he was the head coach at Willow. But yeah. Four years here at West Plains. And so then he he retires at the time and then he's obviously back into it. Now, um, you take over and that can be a really, I don't want to say weird experience, but it's a little bit different. You're an assistant coach for for a number of years. The kids are used to you in that role. They see you in that role. Then you become the head coach. Now you're on a you're, you're the boss, quote unquote, right? The of the of the other coaches on staff. Everything kind of shifts to you. Uh, it can be kind of an awkward transition if you're not kind of careful. Um, what were kind of your first steps? You take over. You're the new head coach. What do you do now? 
Well, uh, you know, we, we kind of went with this mindset and I think every program, you know, following a legend, following, you know, that dynamic is, is hard no matter what. Um, you know, I think there's an old saying, never, never follow a legend. Um, but, uh, you know, Steve, Steve did such a great job with letting his coaches coach um, that, that I think the players had seen me in, in certain ways, um, you know, have a voice in the program and, and be out in front a little bit. And Steve, Steve, you know, let me in charge of our junior high stuff at times and, and that sort of thing. Um, but, uh, you know, we had the motto right off the bat that uh, I think our, our hashtag was flip the switch my first year. And we wanted those kids to know that we're just going to turn it right back on. Um, we're going to run with everything the way we've been doing it. And uh, we're just going to flip the switch. And it's going to be it's going to be the same scissors you had the year before. And, uh, you know, not that's not the way every every program takeover works. You know, sometimes um, sometimes you got to go in, you got to turn everything upside down and you got to start fresh and you got to you got to make things your own. And I, I really wanted this to be as seamless for our kids as possible. Um, we made some schematic changes. There's some stuff that we do different now that we, you know, that we didn't do under Coach Ari. Um, but just uh, in terms of the way certain things roll here, um, we wanted to make that as easy as possible for the kids. And, um, you know, I think it all starts with the trust factor. I think they, they knew they could trust me. Um, we'd built some good relationships and um, it was actually a super smooth transition for me. That's really awesome to hear that because you, one of the things that I think people who are, maybe if there's an assistant coach listening right now who's who's got an opportunity to step into a head coaching role, it really is important to take time and like research this this role that you'd be going into. If it's a program you've been a part of for a while, that makes it easier too in terms of knowing what they need. But, um, you know, Steve talked about when he took over some programs, the programs had not been successful, right? So he came in and it was kind of a scorched earth policy, right? He, it was time to flip everything over. What was happening wasn't working. We need to reset. Uh, when you were taking over, you're taking over a program that was achieving at a really high level. And so for you, uh, it, what I'm hearing is the focus was more on trying to maintain what had happened, you know, what was already going on as you took over so as to not upend or change things too much because what was going on was working, yeah, I mean, I wanted to I wanted to retain as many staff members as we could. Um, you know, I, I had a good relationship with all those guys that were working here before that were under Steve. Um, I wanted to keep as many of those guys around, keep everything as familiar as possible for our players. Because um, the last thing I wanted to do was go from having a, a winning program uh, and have those kids have any doubt in their mind, like, oh, no, he's he's doing this different or this this is going to be new and – Hey, you know, this isn't going to work. I just wanted them to walk in and say, yeah, we're back at it. Um, and, you know, we, we're doing some things different schematically, um, but the day-to-day operations and the way we, we deal with our kids is, is really similar. How many guys uh, on staff applied for the head coaching job? Was it just you? Was there anybody else that, that was already on staff? Already on staff? I think it was just me. I think it was just me. Um, yeah. there, there may have been one other one. Um, but I honestly, I don't know that, that, you know, they don't always tell you that sort of thing. Um, Steve, Steve left late. His resignation came through. Um, I think it started in May and it was finished. Um, you know, that, that May board meeting where he finally retired and then they hired me in June. And so, um, it all happened real fast. It felt like an eternity for me, but it all happened real fast. I'm not sure of anybody in house that applied for it. Um, I just know that uh, 
you know, the school got it right. I was the right guy for the job. <laughs> yeah, well, I think so too. You mentioned you had a motto right off the bat, flip the switch. I love it. Do you guys, do you do a different motto every year? Or are you maintaining that same motto? How does that kind of work? Yeah, so I, I try to think of what our kids, um, you know, what, what what do they need? What are they capable of? So the first year it was flip the switch. We wanted to keep everything the same. We're just going to turn it right back on. Um, you know, lights were out for a few seconds, but they're back on now, baby, let's go. And so that, that was our first year. And then this year we had, uh, had this mindset of us only, um, that was our hashtag all year. That was our way we broke it down. We'd say us only, only us. Um, I just wanted our kids this year to just block out the noise of, of the world, all the scary stuff that was going on, all the things that were out of our control with the pandemic and, uh, and just focus on us. Um, when we're here, when we walk through the doors, let's think about what we can do individually to make the program better, what we can do as a team to, to be the best we can be today. And, uh, you know, we talked about that all the time. And and uh, I think they really embrace that. And I'm working on ours for next year. Uh, we've got an amazing group of kids coming through, um, just an amazing group. You know, we, we went 10-2 and two this year, won the conference, we won the district. Um, and we, we're graduating uh, 10 seniors and really – you know, five starting seniors and, and three that are going to be really hard to replace. Um, so we're, we're reloading, uh, just basically bringing back, you know, nine starters on each side of the ball, um, which is kind of unheard of for a team that, that was as successful as we were. Um, and so I, I'm thinking something along the lines of, of forever as our, as our motto um, for this year, but I haven't quite pinned it down. I, I just want this – I want them to understand that this year coming up, so this, this year can be a year for – for the books. There's years like that as a coach I've noticed. We had one uh in 2019 where in 2018 we made it to the state semifinals. We lost uh, in extra innings on a walk-off like infield single type deal. Oh, yeah. uh, but we had pretty much pretty much everybody coming back so that whole off season um it, it's almost like the it's like the, the kids know they're not dumb. They understand like how close they were. They know how good they can be. The like focus that they have all off season is huge. Um, so as a coach, like that's a really unique position to be in, where the expectations are really high. The kids know it. You know it. Everybody feels it. And as a coach, you kind of have a couple avenues you can take. You can try to ignore it and just let's you know go about our business. Don't worry about that. The other side is kind of embracing it and really and trying to make it even more important and uh, get kids even more focused. And so uh, just as a coach, like that's such a big, it's such a big fun and exciting time when you have so many guys coming back and you feel so, so positive about what the next year might look like. Yeah. And like you said, sometimes you want to, you want to ignore it. Um, I'm not that, I'm not that guy. I want to embrace the challenge. I want our kids to, you know, I want them to be cerebral in, in, in what we're capable of. I want that to weigh on them. I want it to hold them accountable. Um, so that's that's going to be something we talk about all the time. You know, what are your goals? What, what are your what are your individual goals? What are your team goals? Um, and we're going to make that a focus every single day. Um, I want our guys thinking about thinking about their place in history. They, they walk in the locker room right now. Steve's last year, we had a team that went 12 and one. Uh, lost in the uh, quarterfinals to the eventual state champs. And uh, on the wall, all of their that, that team's names are, are written on the wall with the Sharpie, um, with the record, and it says greatest of all time, and it's got their, their team on it. Well, I, I want to go in. I probably won't ever erase that, but I want to go in and create my own wall. I want, I want this group coming up to, to be on that wall. It's something we're going to talk about. Um, you know, I want those guys thinking about what, what can they accomplish, 
what's that look like? And that's a, that's a daily thing, you know, um, success is not an accident, that type of a mentality. And, um, you gotta be real purposeful in every single day that you're together. I, I tend to go the same way you do too. And I, I like to embrace that, the lofty goal. Um, I think it's good. And I think every coach is in their own position. So obviously do what's best for you. But I think just from my own standpoint, I tend to be in the same side as you in terms of, I think just for life, I think there's going to be times in life where there's really high expectations and you have set these really high goals. And sometimes you just got to embrace it and accept the the extra challenge and quote unquote, you know, pressure that goes along with that um, and, and learn how to deal with it and still, still accomplish what you want to accomplish. Because I think sometimes if you ignore it and try to not, not allow it to, to seep in, sometimes we, I don't know. We we end up falling short. Yeah, I I think uh, it would be hard to deny where we're at in the program right now. Um, you know, this year our our we lost in the quarterfinals this year as well, and um, we lost to the eventual state champs. We had the ball on the one yard line and fumbled with mm. a chance with a chance to tie the game up. So um, that was with about a minute and ten seconds on the clock. Um, you know, our kids that they're aware of where they're at. They're they're aware of what they can accomplish. Um, so yeah, we're we're just gonna have to embrace it and and hope that it pushes you know some of those kids that are that are fringe kids on commitment level. Hope that it pushes them over the top because um, it's gonna take a team effort to really get what we want. You know, really accomplish those things. You gonna go duct taping any footballs to kids to make sure they don't fumble? <laughs> oh man, he's such a good kid too. He he uh, he's actually one of the seniors we're going to replace this year. And he's going to go on and play um, Titus Sealy. He's going to go on and play at the next level. Um, actually, he's, he was dealing with a uh, torn ligament in his thumb. And it's kind of, uh, kind of amazing that he hadn't put the ball on the turf more. Um, but he's a gamer. I just, I hated it for him because, uh, you know, he's going to have to carry that with him. Probably he'll be something. He'll wake up 40 years old, wake up in the middle of the night, sweating over it probably. But, uh, um, you know, we're, we're going to, we're going to pick him up and go get that win next year. You know, it probably ends up being part of his story by the time it's all done, right? He'll probably, whatever happens in his life, he can probably look back at that and he, he might wake up in the middle of the night, but maybe, maybe that fumble ends up being something that helps that kid throughout the rest of his life. And who knows, maybe it becomes part of his purpose too. You never know. Absolutely. You know, maybe that's uh that's something that I guess spurs him on to handle failure a certain way or handle uh you know, how he handles maybe his team that he coaches down the road or whatever a certain way. Um, it's, it's weird how all those things that create purpose in our life happen. Yeah, it is. I, I wanted to uh, talk about, well, we mentioned these hashtags, right? These mottos. And I love that you had the hashtag onto them because obviously we're living in the 20, yeah. well, the 2020s, right? And just just in my perusing of your social media, like your, even just your personal account, like I love it. Lately, you've, you've been sharing uh like openly sharing plays that your team runs and different things like that. How, can you kind of talk a little bit about how you've used social media in terms of both as a coach and then for your program? Yeah. So um, talk a little bit about uh, just, yeah, social media, I guess uh, it's kind of neat in terms of that's where a lot of my growth takes place. Um, when I first got the head job at Willow, my first, my first job, I was nowhere near ready to be a head football coach and, um, you know, I'm a guy that didn't play high school football. I, I had a ton to learn, and I, I wanted to dive in any avenue possible to try to get better. And, um, you know, that was a lot of times that was being on Coach Huey um, or the X and O labs and just, just 
diving into what people are saying. And, um, you know, they've, they've got all these chat rooms now on Twitter where, um, you know, hog football chat, Texas high school football chat, Florida high school football chat, and so on and so forth, um, where they've got these chats and people, you know, post, post questions and then there's answers. And for me, that's, that's networking. That's a chance for me to, you know, um, learn more about people that I'm, I'm coaching against. That's a chance for me to um, really dive into my own scheme and, 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 you know, answer some questions for my own program. Um, and it's a chance for me to promote my kids. You know, I've got, I've got some kids right now, eight or nine kids that are probably going to go on to play at the next level. Um, now I'm, I want to get them seen as much as possible. So I'm going to, I'm going to put them out there and celebrate their successes and try to promote, 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 and, um, see where it takes me. Both those things are awesome. That for the first thing you mentioned is so true for me too. Uh, in fact, my my old high school coach, um, I was I was coaching for him as an assistant, and then this head coaching opportunity came along. I interviewed for it, and one of the guys on the interview committee ended up calling my high school coach and asking him, "Hey, is Max ready for this? Like, is he ready to be head coach?" And my coach's response, he told me later, was, is is anybody really ready for their yeah. first head coaching gig? Because I think the answer is probably no. There's just so much that you have, you don't even know. Like, you just don't even know what you don't know. And I know I say that a lot on here, but it's true. Yes. And man, what Twitter has done for me from the baseball coaching side is, like, I can pretty much tell you almost everything I do with our program has either been because I learned it on Twitter or because... I saw it on Twitter and I, or I saw something on Twitter that I didn't like in terms of baseball and it helped solidify the things that I was already doing that I did like, you know, meeting other coaches, learning from other coaches, networking, like you said. But then that last part you mentioned, I think is really important. And I guess this is kind of my plea for coaches who aren't using Twitter, leveraging it for promoting players and helping with their recruitment. Um, it's changing the recruiting game, right? So in the past, in order to get recruited, I had to send an email, right? And to a specific coach, hey, coach, I'm interested in your program. Here's why, here's some video. And what Twitter's doing now is it's taking that part out of it and allowing coaches to discover athletes via Twitter. And so anything we can do to promote our players, I, like I'm all here for it. And I think Twitter is becoming a place where if you're not using Twitter to help promote your players, you're, you're missing out on a huge opportunity. Yeah. It, it's uh, there's so much development that takes place as a coach. And then the, the way we can promote our kids, you know, I, I went on a, you know, a thread rampage the other day over, over my H back linebacker and probably posted seven or eight different video clips of him, um, some screenshots of what he looks like. And uh, you know, he, he mentioned to me the following day, Indiana state's, contacted him and they, they've got his phone number now and they're they're messaging back and forth um, so I really do believe some of those things uh, play a role in, in helping a kid get noticed and man that's what we're here for we want our kids to go on and, and have a chance to do what they love just a little bit longer and uh, that's what that's what we're doing yeah we're trying to help we're trying to help kids ultimately like it goes back to your purpose right it's it's I'm here for kids and one of the roles that we then as coaches play is to help kind of promote our kids as best we can. I think it's so important. Um, another thing I think is really important is building leadership in kids. And it's been really interesting because I've asked this question quite a bit in various ways to different coaches of different sports and how you go about trying to build leadership qualities in players because, you know, when kids grow up, they need, uh, and to adults, we need to be able to, to lead at points in our life. Is there anything that you're doing specifically at West Plains with your football players, with your athletes, 
to try to help build some leadership qualities into them? Yeah, we do something uh, kind of neat here. Once our season is over, we do we do exit interviews, and it starts with a sheet of paper. Um, there's like 25 questions on it, and you know it's going to range from you know tell me a drill that you did this year that you liked, some stuff that I can get feedback from from my coaches on. But then there are questions on there like, uh, you know, what's a problem we have right now within the program? And so these kids have to be. Um, they have to be mindful of what's going on around them. I, I asked the question, you know, do we have a drug problem on the team? Um, I, I want to know everything I can find out. And then once I get all of those papers in, I, I go through them and my coaches go through them. Um, I'll start individually pulling kids in and we sit down and we talk about some answers. And, um, you know, one of the questions is going to be, what type of leader are you? I think all kids are leaders in one way or another. They're either they're either bringing kids, you know, forward or they're taking them backwards. Um, rarely do people stay the same, right? So um, we talk about what kind of leader are you? You don't you don't have to be the vocal leader. Are you are you a leader that shows up every day and just and just works? And if that's what they are, I want to highlight that. I want to try to make sure I mention them in front of the other kids. I want uh, you know I want all of my kids uh, to look at Magnus Sanders, big big center I have, and realize this kid's came in every single morning before school to snap on his own just because he wants to be better. I want I want those guys to see those leadership characteristics and then we're going to talk about them and I'm going to explain to the kids, you know, you may not think you're a vocal leader, but I saw this from you this year and uh, kind of take them through that process so that whenever they get out on their own, they, you know, they're asked to do a presentation. They realize that, yeah, I've had some experience talking in front of the team or, um, you know, asking questions at a, at a, film session. Those are, those are leadership traits that uh, I don't think kids realize that, that they have. And, um, I want them to, I really want all my kids to be leaders and then just to embrace whatever type of leadership that is. I think, I think that's awesome. Uh, the, one of the better answers I think I've heard just in terms of recognizing different types of leadership, because I think you're right. I think everybody's going to lead different. And the idea that some lead forward and some lead backwards, I think is really important for coaches and, and people who work with kids to understand, but then also the different types of leaders, right? You know, some who use their voice a lot, some who don't, some who lead just by showing up every freaking day and, and getting after it over and over and over again. Um, I want to get into that exit interviews that uh, you mentioned. Um, yeah. Yeah. Uh, you, you talk about providing questions where kids have to, maybe not have to shy, uh, have the opportunity to be really honest and to maybe share some things, some, some hard truths about your program that, you know, as a coach, when you're opening that up and reading it, like that, there could be some tough stuff in there. Yeah. Yeah. Um, you know, every year I'll read one from a kid that I think, man, we've got a great rapport with, we've got, um, you know, this guy's hundred percent bought in and I'll, I'll see an answer in there and I'll realize, you know, this guy's got some doubt. And I think we all have doubt. You know, I'm sure my coaches that work with me, you know, they doubt certain things that we do. We do. Maybe it's, you know, how we spend our pre-practice time or whatever. That's human nature. Um, everybody would do something just a little bit different. But I, I want to dive into that doubt with those guys. Um, you know, my, my very best player, um, he, he mentioned something about our play calling this year in his in his interview and uh you know we had a chance to sit down and talk about that and and try to figure out exactly what he was what he was talking about and um those are sometimes those are humbling things to do as a coach because you know we all want our kids to like us we, we want our kids to um you know to think we're doing a great job and uh sometimes you gotta take a 
deep breath and, you know, swallow your pride and say, hey, what can I do better for you? Um, and, you know, sometimes you just have to explain to kids, uh, maybe they don't see things the right way and, and help them. And um, it's it's pretty cool, though, that interview process, uh, I think it's good for all of them. At some point, they're going to have to sit down in a one on one. They're all uncomfortable. Every time I do it, they're uncomfortable, even if they've you know, even if we sit down every day before weight room and and just shoot the breeze, um, which we do a lot. Uh, you bring them in in a setting, you close the door and you set them in a chair and, and they say, Hey, I want to talk to you about, about the program. They're going to be a little bit uncomfortable. Um, so it's pretty neat. You know, one of the questions we ask on there is, um, what are you most worried about for next year, um, for our football team? And, uh, we get a lot of really cool answers out of that where, you know, they may be worried about a position group or they're worried about leadership from, you know, a certain group or, uh, maybe they're worried about the classroom for for one of their players or teammates. And sometimes we find things out in these interviews that uh, we just didn't know. Do you do the exit interviews with seniors as well? And if so, do you are the are the questions different? Yeah, we do, um, and they they're a little bit different. Um, you know, it's um, some of it's a little more nostalgic, um, but then it's you know who do you see taking over? You know, the role of leadership, uh, that kind of a thing. You know what. What do you think about this player? I like to ask my seniors, what do they think about a certain kid? And I don't do it about every kid, but uh, then I like to bring that that kid in and say, what do you think the seniors think about you? And normally it's in a way to be positive with a kid that's not had a ton of success. So I might take a kid that played, you know, sparingly at uh, that safety for us that was a junior that doesn't realize that, you know, kids are looking at him and evaluating him and his own teammates think that he's a hard worker and um, he's really dedicated and that sort of thing. And then you, you show them those comments because I write it down as they're telling me. You show them those comments. Hey, man, Titus Sealy, the number one player in the school, said this about you. And they look at it and I think it just gives them, you know, a little boost going into the offseason, a little confidence. And, uh, of course, if they were saying bad things, I wouldn't show them. But, uh, you know, you, you're, you're trying to just – promote the program and build it. I, I think that's awesome that you do that. I think with, uh, I, had a, I had a coach on Butch Chaff and he's a pretty famous high school coach in, in the baseball circles. And uh, one of the things he's talked about multiple times is this idea of hope that kids, um, especially high school athletes, they have to have some level of hope, some, some hope that they're going to get into a game, some hope that they're going to be successful uh, yes. Because without that, ultimately, they're just—I mean—they're just practicing, and it's like, okay, this is fine. But at some point, like, I, there needs to be hope. And so, what you're doing through that, with that process you just mentioned, with you know, giving a kid hope based on, look, dude, this is what a senior just said about you. Like, that's a huge deal for kids. Yeah, I think that's cool, and I love that that comment of hope. You know, I, I talk to our kids a lot about, um, you know, at some point in your life, you were sitting down, and you were dreaming up the this type of a of a career for you in high school, and uh, we. You know, in that interview process, we talk about that dream. Like, what did your dream look like when you thought, man, when I'm a junior, my, my season's going to look like this. I'm going to be this type of player. Um, and then, you know, is that dream still alive for that kid? Do we, you know, what do we need to do to get closer to that dream? Um, all that stuff. I think that that comment about hope is spot on. Yeah, I found it to be I, – I, I, he mentioned it to me – well, actually, I first saw it about a year ago maybe um, when he was giving like a, a talk at a clinic – 
And it just like, oh my gosh, yeah. Like there's when I think back to you know, especially early as a, a head coach, again, never really ready for it. And I just think of how many kids that I had like on our on our varsity team, two or three kids every year who basically never got into a game. And I, you know, I had conversations with them before the year of like, you know, hey, this is where you are. You're probably not going to get to play much. But then, just the, I don't know, the immature person inside of me then kind of ignored those kids throughout the year because I was scared of what they might say, scared of, of, of the fact that I knew I wasn't giving them any hope that I knew I wasn't giving them any playing time that they were just showing up day after day and not getting much out of it. And I just think back to like, Oh God, if I could just go slap myself, I would. That's, that's awesome. Um, yeah, it's tough because we, we go through and we have a, you know, a, a designed player for that position or, you know, this mindset of what they're going to look like. And, and uh, sometimes we tune certain kids out. I actually, I worked with a coach named uh, Ashley Winehouse in Willow Springs, and it was my my second year as the head coach. She got the job as the head um, head softball coach, and we happened to share the weight room at the time. She was working with the the, the girls, and I was working with the guys. And um, there was this kid named Andrew Andrew Letterman, and he worked so hard, and um, he played for me as a freshman that that year before. And she, you know, she was there watching and. She's watching him work out, and she told me, she's like, what do you think about this kid? And I, I, to be honest with her, I, I don't think much about him. And uh, that really opened my eyes because she, she basically shamed me, like, man, you better because he's, he's out here working really hard. And uh, we had a long conversation. I'll, I'll speed it up. But uh, long story short, um, she talked me into making sure that every single program, every single kid in my program um, – deserves thought every single kid in my program deserves to be valued um, because that you know they're giving you everything they have and uh, Andrew ended up being a two-way starter for me when he was a, when he was a senior and one of the most cerebral kids I had but I may never have given him the time of day um, had it not been for that conversation we've got to make sure that we don't let um, kids you know slip through our fingers because they don't fit the mold of what we think that position should be um, there's a lot more to a kid and a lot more to, to, uh, playing, you know, whatever sport it is than, uh, than just the measurables that we think they need. Yeah. It's really funny how that happens. We, and that conversation for you probably came at a really good time in your career. And I think we all get hit with that sometimes just kind of the perfect conversation at the perfect time that we needed to hear. As you're talking about that, I'm thinking about a kid in our program right now. He's, he's an upperclassman now. I remember his freshman year as he came in and I'm like, well, you know, we'll, we'll, we'll let him play this year as a freshman on the freshman team. But in my head, I'm thinking next year is probably a kid. We probably going to probably end up cutting and just, I don't know how he ends up being, you know, one of the 14 or 15 guys we keep in our JV team. And then the next year, you know, we, whatever, okay, we end up keeping him and it's like, all right, but yeah, it's junior year. I, I don't know. He's probably not good. And then uh, just, uh, and, and, day after day seeing him work out and then this year when kids showed back up for you know after all this COVID stuff kind of went through and we're allowed to work out with kids again I'm just like you know what was I doing like this whole time I've just been writing this kid off and here he is like day after day working his absolute ass off just like just a wonderful kid wonderful human being like we're gonna put him in he's probably gonna end up playing for us and he may end up like legitimately playing some pretty hardcore varsity innings as a junior now and I say, but as a freshman, I'm like, yeah, I don't know. He probably just doesn't have it yet. And part of me just wanted to be done with him right then. And I was like, no, man, kids mature so much. They change so much. And if they're willing to work, like, why wouldn't we give them, why wouldn't we give them a chance? 
Absolutely. You know, and football, I think, really lends itself to that, too. I mean, it takes all different, you know, types of athletes and whatnot to, to fill the team. Um, so it's really important. And I'm sure it's the same in baseball. It's really important not to cut a kid short. And uh, man, you're, you're right. That hit me at the right time in my career. Um, I'm thankful that I had that conversation with her. This brings up something else, actually, that um, just this idea of personnel with football. Uh, and I, I kind of had this a similar question with Steve Airy, but the, it, w- with me for baseball, it's it's really much easier figuring out positions for players. It's pretty easy figuring out what we're going to do philosophy-wise because it's, it's really not going to change that much. I mean, like, okay, we're going to bunt twice this year instead of zero times. Like, it's not really – what we do is, isn't going to change all that much in terms of philosophy – with football, though, um, you have different quarterbacks. You've got different running backs, linebackers, linemen. Like every every few years, you might have a group that looks really different. And so we talked earlier, you know, the idea of when you came in, you've changed some schemes around a little bit. Um, how, as a football coach, when you have a certain personnel and you have schemes that you like to run, at what point are you like deciding? Okay, we've got to change these schemes based on this personnel. Or is it more of we need to take advantage of this personnel and fit these guys within this scheme? Well, I think that question's uh, probably geared differently for different size schools. You know, at Willow, smaller school, 2A school, um, it, I, honestly, I think it would be more of a fit the scheme um, type of an answer where, you know, we might, we might need to adjust things because I don't have a quarterback that can throw it at all. Or, um, you know, our offensive line is not very good. We don't have any size or whatever, because, um, you know, we're a little bit smaller, whereas West Plains, there, there seems to be more numbers here. You know, we're a 4A school. Um, so a little bit of, I, I can, I can mold the kid into, you know, finding the right spot for him to fit that job. Um, So I guess it's a little bit of a different answer, you know, depending on where you're at, or at least in my eyes it is. Um, But one thing I learned, and I I guess I learned this from Steve, uh, you've got to be true to yourself whenever you're coaching. And uh, I knew after taking that step back from being the head coach at Willow and going in and and spending four years under Steve, under uh, Scott Womack, who's one of our um, longtime assistants here, that, uh, man, I, I may not get another chance to do this. And if I get the head job, I'm going to do it the way I want to do it in terms of scheme. And um, we base out of empty. We're, we're five wide empty, um, but we're doing that and we're running the wing tee. And it's different. It's something that uh, that's unique. Um, and it's, it's something that I kind of built in my mind um, just over the years of watching a lot of football and um, I'm going to stay true to that as much as I can. And so we're going to mold our scheme um, around my, my philosophy on that is, and, uh, you know, hopefully put kids in the right position to make that, that scheme successful. How many kids do you guys normally get out for football every year? You know, we're, I think this year we started about 97 or 98. Um, uh, I think we finished probably around 85. Um, by the time it was all said and done, you know, losing – four or five JV kids, one or two varsity kids, you know, five freshman kids or whatever. Um, that's pretty typical here at West Plains. I think, you know, most of the time we finish around 80 kids or whatever and uh, expect to be probably over 100 to start this year and finish right around the same. Have Hard you seen like – happy. <laughs> <laughs> no Have you seen um, maybe any sort of like trickle down from the concussion talks because when when – the, the national narrative is seems to be 
football's scary because you're going to get a concussion. I, I am. I'm passionate about that. You know, I've, I've done this now 17 years, like I mentioned. And just in my time here as a, as a coach, you know, whether it be as an assistant, as a head coach, the game has changed so much. And the number one thing that's changed with football um, is the way practices are conducted. And, you know, very rarely are things not done in a structured, uh, you know, it's very rarely live where kids are just beating each other up. And one of the things I like to tell our, our junior high parents that are concerned about their kid playing. And uh, one of the things I, I wish somebody would have told me back whenever I was, you know, thinking about not playing is that I am not in the business of getting a kid hurt. I've got to do everything in my power to keep them safe. Um, because if I don't, if I get kids hurt and if I'm reckless with the kid, they're not going to play football. And football is the ultimate strength and strength and number sport. I need to have 22 guys on one end so that my, my you know, varsity defense can have somebody to practice against. I need 22 guys on the other end so my, my varsity offense can have somebody to practice against. I need to have 22 guys on the other end somewhere else so that my freshmen can have somebody to practice against. Ultimate numbers sport. And uh, I've got to do everything in my power to make sure our practices are structured so that kids are healthy and safe. And um, we're just not in the business of getting kids hurt. And practices are conducted that way, I think, all across the nation now. Everything, all of our tackling drills are, you know, they're they're structured in a cautious manner. It's very rarely in a, in a live setting. Um, I, I think I think football's changed in that way in the last, you know, 10, five to 10 years. Um, for the better. Yeah. So I've, uh, I've mentioned this before on here. My son is 17 months old now. So he's, he's just starting to get into sports like on his own. Yeah. But for a long time, whenever there's a football game on TV, he like, he can't look away. Uh, he's got his little footballs. When we go to like Dick's sporting goods, he immediately picks up a football and carries around the store saying football, football. And my wife was, was like, wow, we like, I don't, I don't know about him playing football in a totally like, not, I'm not dissing on her anything. She's wonderful. But, um, that's kind of my response is that, you, you know, football now I think is probably safer than it's ever been at any point in history, just in terms of, of what's required of tackling, um, how tackling's taught the, the player safety part in terms of what coaches know to look out for. Um, just like it's, she's totally great with them playing football, but, um, I had Chris Miller on, he was a first round NFL draft pick and played for a number of years, but, um, he had a bunch of concussions. That's so now he coaches football here in Oregon at a, at a high school. And I asked him a similar question and his thing was, was basically the same answer, man. It's like football is is extremely safe right now. Like it's as safe as it can be. And to your point, there's been um, there's been some dwindling numbers here here in Oregon, especially. Like there's programs that are really struggling right now to get kids out, especially and it's starting at the youth levels. Um, and then by the time a kid gets to high school, they haven't been playing football in a long time, and it's hard to kind of to your point, to recruit a kid to come out by then. And so it's just a huge uphill battle that some communities are facing right now in terms of trying to educate families on the, the safety component of football, because what we hear on TV is that football is bad because you're going to get hurt. You're going to get a concussion and you're going to suffer from brain injuries for the rest of your life. And it's just, it, it isn't true. Right. Well, um, you know, I, I hate, to, I hate seeing numbers around the country go down. I, that's something I kind of pay attention to a little bit. And, um, fortunately here at West Plains, it's not like that. Um, but you know, I think kids, uh, I think they're looking for something to do 
And, uh, you know, they're going to find that whether it be, you know, being a YouTuber and, and playing, playing modern warfare, Call of Duty or whatever, um, they're going to find something to do. And what we want to do is we want to make sure that, uh, that football is as appealing as possible for them. Um, then I tell my kids every year, and I think this is something that's important for them to hear, if they can do it, if they can play football, if they can you know, start and then finish, um, they're rare. They're, they are not normal. Um, and I want them to be treated special for that. And I, and that maybe makes people cringe or whatever. Um, but I, I just think it's tough. You know, it's 110 degrees on the turf when we start practice and, um, you know, we, you know, football is such a long sport. I don't basketball is long. Well, football starts, you know, the end of May and it runs all the way through the, the early part of December, um, or late November anyway. And, uh, you know, if they can make it through and do all the morning workouts and all the hot weather, and then it turns and it's, you know, snowing on you at the end of the season. Mm-hmm. And, um, if you can make it through that, you ought to be treated like a king. And that's something that we tell our kids here. And, and uh, you know, once you do that, you're family, man. You're, you're, you're part of my family forever. And, um, you know, you're, you're special to me forever. Uh, my, my big last question for you is, is, again, back to the football numbers. So you're getting – finishing the season with 80, let's say you're, you know, 95 to start somewhere in there. Um, that's a lot of people, uh, in a program. Um, you're big on relationships, building relationships from a baseball standpoint, I'm getting about 45 kids every year. Um, so it's, I'm getting about half what you're getting. And I find that's pretty reasonable for maintaining relationships with kids. How in the world do you find time and energy to, meet 90 guys and maintain really high quality relationships with, with a lot of them throughout their high school career? Man, that's such a great question. And, uh, you know, that's probably the number one thing that keeps me up, uh, at night is, is worrying that I didn't do a good enough job for, for somebody today. I'm going to tell you a couple things that I do, um, that I think I do really well. Um, I text my kids and I know that, you know, this day and age, that's, that's something you know, that might be frowned upon or whatever. Um, but I, I'm going to, I'm going to personally message a kid instead of doing an all call message where they all get the same thing. Um, you know, I'm going to message that Magnus Sanders kid and, and just let him know that, you know, I see what he's doing. I see him coming in and working. And, um, I, I try to message five kids a day, something positive. So there, there's, there's one way of doing it. Um, you know, I, I'm, I'm walking in to the weight room and, um, really blessed here to have Brandon Pitts running our weight room does, does a phenomenal job programming kids. But while, while, you know, we're coaching kids up, I'm, I'm going to take a minute to shoot the bull with those guys. Um, that's, that's something I've learned along the way is, uh, you're never in too big of a hurry to make something personalized. Um, I know we're always in a time crunch in our programs, whether we're coaching basketball, football, baseball, there's only so much time in a practice. Um, there's never a situation where you can't stop and just have a conversation. And, uh, you know, I try to do that with our kids here. And um, I just, again, it goes back to being genuine with them and being relational. Um, I mentioned Call of Duty. I, I play I play Warzone with, with kids, um, try, try to get online, and, and uh, I always let them know I've got more wins than them, um, you know, that sort of thing. And then, you know, you try to stay young and, and run with them at times and, and lift with them at times and, um, I know that, you know, that's, that's a 
bit of a faux pas because you, you got to always have eyes on them when they're in the weight room. But if I've got a couple coaches in here um, with me and I know that we're all being supervised, I might jump in and, and hit a workout with a group of kids that I normally wouldn't work out with um, and just, you know, push myself to the point of exhaustion. And, you know, I'm getting old and those types of things hurt me. But uh, I think the kids see that and they, they respect it. I think they like they like being around a, a guy that's willing to go to the grind with them. And, um, you know, it's, it's constant. And I'll be honest with you. I, I don't always do a great job at it. You know, sometimes I'll see a freshman that, uh, I'll think, man, I haven't talked to, I haven't talked to Trey Miller all week and he needs to hear, he needs to hear his name today. So I'm going to make sure that while he's lifting, I'm going I'm to let him know when he's doing a good job, getting depth in a squat, man. Hey, great job, Trey. And, uh, just, constantly constantly making the rounds with those guys that's so good i love the idea of sending guys texts and there's ways around I mean, you can use remind app if you've got a district who's really against uh actual text messages you can send a guy a message that way but that that's a great way to do it too where if i because i've had this come up too where i'm thinking in my head like you just say okay like you said i haven't you know said anything to trey miller in a while okay well i can i can also while he's on my mind right now shoot him a text hey trey i love what you're doing lately or something like that or just how you doing um i love i love trying to keep up with the kids even as we get older it becomes much more difficult to do so but even if you're even if you're running with them and you're the slowest guy out there like the kids see that they think it's first they think it's funny but b more importantly we all know what we're really doing which is helping build relationships and build rapport with kids and i'm doing it so if i I can do it you can do it too um and then the last thing i really heard there too is the idea of assistant coaches and i know we didn't talk much about assistant coaches but uh, just through listening to you talk about relationships and having good coaches, when you have really good assistant coaches and you let them do your uh, do their job and you you give them the freedom to do it, as the head coach of the program, it frees up so much extra time during practice where you can do what you said, where I can go and I can spend a few minutes talking to this kid because I know my assistants are taking care of business, they're watching the guys, they're running them through drills, and it frees up more time for us as the head coach to to be seen and heard from and hear from kids. Yeah, I think uh, I think it's really important that they, you know, they feel like you, you they matter. And uh, you know, I, if I can let Coach Armstrong take a take a group period and and uh, you know work past Skelly or whatever, and I can pull I can pull a kid aside and talk to him about you know maybe what his route just looked like or uh, you know how good of a game he had the Monday night at the JV or whatever, and just let him know that I'm I'm paying attention. It's a big deal. Well, I, I, I love having you on. I wanted to give you the mic here at the end and just if there's anything we missed, if there's anything you've got that a, a coach would, would do well to hear or, or just just you want to shout somebody out, whatever you want to do, just want to hand the mic over to you here at the end. All right. Well, hey, Max, thanks so much for bringing me on. Um, I think uh, the number one thing probably that I would I would encourage coaches to do is just never give up on kids. And I know that sounds it sounds like, well, it's an obvious thing, um, but I, I, you know, it's a focus of mine and I catch myself doing it. Um, I think it's, it's just easy for us at times to, you know, get, get set in our ways and, and looking for a certain thing. But uh, in the end, it's, it's not about winning and losing. It's about, uh, you know, making sure these kids are prepared for whatever life's going to bring them down the road. And I think that's done more so through um, relationships and through, you know, letting those guys know that we're here for them and, um, you know, that'd be my, my call for all of our coaches is just to make sure that we're, we're caring about our kids. And, um, I think 
we got a lot of great coaches around the country that do that. And it's such an awesome profession um, where we share ideas on Twitter, like you mentioned. And um, it's a great coaching community out there. And I, I'm just blessed to be in it. Uh, there's so much to learn from from coaches all over the place. And um, sometimes we even just need reminders. So even if, even if it's just being reminded that we all know this deep down that coaching is 100% about relationships, that wins are great. Sure, they matter. But without relationships, they're, they're just kind of an empty shell. And, and just having you on and being a good reminder to people to not give up, to build relationships, um, to even no matter how bad it gets, it, there's still purpose and, and, and good things that can come from life. And um, then obviously beyond that, I got a ton. I took a ton of notes on, especially the exit interviews part. I really like that. Um, the idea of, of contacting kids and trying to build relationships within practices or through call of duty or, or whatever. So Matt, I loved having you on, man. I, I learned so much from you and, and what you're doing there at West Plains. It's been, been awesome to learn about you. And then through our conversation to hear a little bit about West Plains and what makes it so special and, and the things you're doing and how you're winning fantasy championships and all that good stuff. Right on Max. Well, Hey, thanks a lot. And that, as they say, is that. I can't thank you enough for tuning in for another episode of The Club, whether you've been listening from the very beginning back in September of 2020, or this was your first episode, or if you're somewhere anywhere in between, I want you in the High School Coaches Club. Hit that link in the show notes or go to highschoolcoachesclub.com to join for free. You'll become an instant member of the National Network of High School Coaches, and you'll receive the weekly newsletter all for the price of, well, nothing, except, you know, 90 seconds of your time. Secondly, if you or anyone you know would be a good fit as a guest of a future episode, um, I'm thinking coaches, trainers, administrators, athletic directors, uh, even players, uh, high school players, how cool would that be? Um, Go ahead and do me a favor and reach out. Uh, You can contact me through the website, again, that's highschoolcoachesclub.com via email and that's max at highschoolcoachesclub.com or twitter and that's at mr max price you can also follow the club on all the major social media platforms facebook instagram twitter and as we let the ending tunes roll take a moment today to reach out to someone who's helped you along your own path in coaching playing or whatever it is that you happen to be doing and say thanks it would mean a lot to them so thanks again for listening and as coach lee would say loving you